Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? I couldn't help myself. I had to start that way. So um, I am Chris, Chris Dowdy. I am the pastor of Family Ministries here at City Walk. I'm really glad you're here this morning. Grateful for you all. Um, I do want to encourage you guys. The Heart Detox series does start next week. Chris, the other Chris who was just here, great communicator, really good guy. Come back next week, hear him talk. You will, you will not regret it, I promise. Um, as part of my role here at City Walk, uh, as pastor of family ministries, I really have two areas of ministry that are underneath me, city groups and city kids. And, um, you know, if you're connected with a city group, I hope you're loving it, all right? Yeah, that's right. City groups are awesome. The next term of city groups actually starts this week. So if you're not connected with a city group already, check out the app, go online. There's room for you. We'd love to have you connect in a faith community. Um, city kids is our other area of ministry that I help oversee. Uh, that's next door. We're having a great time. Um, I want you to know, if you've got children and city kids that they are loved, cared for, being taught the scriptures, and they are ready to be picked up soon after the service, all right? Uh, and, and by that, I, that's very important, that last part. Pick them up soon, all right? Uh, seriously, soon. Now, the, all kidding aside, uh, our children this morning are doing a fast car event. You might have noticed the big racetrack. They're having a great time. I already kind of stepped out there during the worship time. There's cheering and hollering. Cars are racing. They're having a great morning. So, uh, from, from going fast, I want to segue to someone who's now a race car driver, um, Patrick Dempsey. How many of you guys knew that he was now a race car driver? He was racing cars. Yeah, I just found that out soon. Um, however, McDreamy did not get his start on the race car circuit. He actually started out, this is a great actual picture of him, as a juggler and unicyclist. Yeah. Actually, he won second place in the national competition as a kid doing just this. And I don't know what I was more surprised at, finding, about, finding out that he's now a race car driver or that they actually have a competition for juggling and unicycling. But either way, he was second place. And while he was in that competition, old young Patrick here was noticed by a talent scout. And that talent scout pulled him aside and said, hey, I think you should audition for this movie. He encouraged him, Patrick tried out, and now we have Patrick Dempsey, right? Actor, producer, uh, business owner, race car driver, family man. He still can't buy love, but he's doing okay. All right, that's Patrick Dempsey. And I, I would venture to say that most backstories of people have simil a similar tone to that. There's usually someone in our background that has poured some encouragement into us to help us become the person that, that God wants us to be, that we should be. I, I'm thankful for people in my own life. I'm going to mention some names because I need to that, that helped me. A, a young lady named Myrna Cruz. 
as a teenager, pulled me into a group of other teenagers who were just learning about Jesus. As I got a little older, a guy named Matt Fincham, whose name might sound very familiar to you, he happens to be the younger brother of our lead pastor, encouraged me to follow Christ. I'm so grateful for that. And then a guy, as I got into my late teens, early 20s, a man by the name of Hunter Phillips, a dear friend, pulled me aside and really encouraged me to take some steps to Christian leadership and say, hey, look, I think you've got some talent. You should do this. I'm so grateful for these people. And this morning, we're going to take a quick look into the backstory of the Apostle Paul. You know, if you've been here at City Walk in the past couple weeks, we've been studying through the book of Philippians. Paul wrote the book, and we've talked about his backstory some. We're going to dive in a lot more this morning. Now, I want to give a heads up before I get into this backstory. Paul's name, same guy who wrote most of the New Testament, used to be Saul. So you're going to hear both those names this morning, same guy. I'm going to try to call him Paul. Saul may slip out. Please just bear with me on it. All right, so Paul was the kind of guy who didn't mind getting his hands dirty. He would get in there and get things done. Now, he was a Pharisee, which that designation really means that he was a religious lawyer. That doesn't fit in our world today, but in in Paul's day, there was a religious court, and he was a lawyer in it. He was a Pharisee, and he was not just any lawyer. He was a rising star. He went to just the right school. He had money. He had all the look and the appeal of the next big thing. You know, as a matter of fact, I think if you ask Paul about how his career was going, he might quote who we know as Ryan Howard by saying, I'm going to try to get this quote right, I'm not saying I had a meteoric rise, but I did. And if they knew how much money I was paying for my haircut, they wouldn't be giving me a noogie. It was $200, unquote. So that's where Paul was. Matter of fact, Paul's career accelerated on the necks of Christians. He saw an opportunity to, to kind of try to crush this new Christian movement and propel his career along. Matter of fact, Paul was instrumental in the murder of the first Christian to die for his faith, Stephen. I promise you, no one was giving Paul a noogie, okay? I mean, this was a big deal. So as we turn to Book of Acts, Book of Acts in the scriptures, the Book of Acts is really a history of the early church. So we're going to go to chapter 8 this morning, and it says, And Paul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. You know, Paul was the kind of guy who would show up at your cubicle at 4 o'clock on a Friday and say, oh, by the way, I need you to come in tomorrow. That would be great. No, my friend, that would not be great. Paul was a terrible human being just like that dude was. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 9, just one chapter later, Paul wants to take his show on the road. 150 miles down the road to the city of Damascus. But a cataclysmic wrench was about to be thrown into Paul's plans. You see, Paul was about to have an encounter 
that would change his life in the course of history. In Acts chapter 9, the very first verses say this, but, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of, Samat, of Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, and that's what the Christian church was called back then, the way, men or women, he did not discriminate, he might bound, be, they might be bound and brought to Jerusalem. Wow, what a guy, what a guy. Let's, let's keep reading, Verses, verse chapter 3, or verse 3 says this. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, who you are, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. You know, Paul was literally knocked to the ground from this encounter he had with Jesus. He lost his eyesight. I imagine it as if, you know how when you look in the sun, or even these bright lights, and you can't see for a while? Paul stared into the, just the, the utter radiance of Jesus, and he couldn't see. He was blind. The people he was on the road with heard the voice, didn't see anything, and they actually led him by, a hand, by the hand into Damascus. And he's sitting in Damascus for three days waiting, just waiting, praying and alone. His world had been rocked. Think about what's going on in his mind. All he can see is the radiant afterimage of Jesus Christ. And I imagine in the back of his conscience that picture of Stephen being stoned, literally murdered, was seared into his thought patterns. This is where Paul is for three whole days. He didn't eat. He had no one with him. He was terribly, I imagine, discouraged. Life for Paul was hard. Life was hard. But God sent someone to encourage Paul, a guy by the name of Ananias. Let, let's look back in the chapter, of, uh, chapter 9 of Acts, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. See, God first comes to Ananias and says, hey, I want you to go talk to this guy named Paul. And Ananias kind of backs up and says, wait, hold up. This is the guy that came to put me in chains, right? He came to, to like, arrest us. God says, go anyway. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. It sounds like God has an exciting plan for Paul. God's going to use Paul, and he is. But it comes with a very important next sentence. Verse 16 says this. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. From the very beginning, Paul was called to suffering. Now imagine, we all like the idea of calling us in the ministries. We were talking about a red team and a blue team here for the last couple weeks. And we like the idea of you know, being in a ministry. Can you imagine if we set up a table and said, hey, this table is suffering. I don't think we'd have a long line there. But that's exactly where Paul was called. From the beginning, 
it was clear he would be suffering. So imagine being Paul in that room. He's alone. He's hungry. He's unsure what to do next. And all of a sudden, he hears the door open. He hears footsteps. Then he feels a hand on his shoulder. And he hears these words. Brother Saul. How Paul's life must have changed in that moment. What an encouragement Ananias and the other believers in Damascus must have been. Paul came to bring murder, and they brought him life. He came to destroy their belief, and they were believing in him. Think about that. What a turnaround. And as a result of their encouragement... Paul grows in the Lord, and he finally steps out, and he goes into the synagogue and preaches Christ. The very thing he had come to Damascus to destroy, he now stands up in front of a group of people and proudly proclaims the gospel of Jesus. And what did he get for it? They hated him. As a matter of fact, they were going to pull a Paul on him and kill him. So he had to leave the city in fear of his life in the middle of the night. So this is where Paul is. So he leaves more suffering. He goes to Jerusalem, and he tries to get connected with the church there. I imagine him knocking on the door, and they open the door and like slam it real fast, okay? Because, and do you blame them? They didn't, the the leaders of the church of Jerusalem were not excited about taking Paul in. The last time he had been there, he had literally been dragging men and women off to prison. That's the phrase the, the scriptures use. So, They're very standoffish. But thankfully, thankfully, God sent another encourager for Paul. Verse 27 says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. You know, Barnabas was a leader in the church at Jerusalem. He was no small guy. He had already shown himself. They actually called him Barnabas because he was the son of encouragement. And Barnabas probably knew Stephen. He knew other Christians that Paul had drug off and hurt. But Barnabas looked at Paul and saw a fellow brother. saw someone that needed encouragement, and Barnabas gladly took the risk. And I'm really glad he did, guys, because the church and the world are better for it. See, here's the deal. Not all of us have had, have had the same experience as Paul. And I would imagine that none of us have had the same magnitude or amount of suffering that Paul would experience in his lifetime. But this I do know. Life is hard, and we all need encouragement. You know, and that's the great beauty of what we have here in this room. We are not meant to to go through the struggles and troubles of life separately or alone. God has given us each other and his spirit to help us through those tough times. So this week, I want to issue a very simple challenge. And here it is. I want us to ask God to help us encourage others by giving support and hope with a purpose. That's what we're going to kind of focus on the rest of of this message We're going to ask God 
to help us encourage others by giving support and hope with a purpose. Let's focus on the first part of that. Let's ask God to help us encourage others. See, encouragement at its heart is really about others. And I believe that encouragement in its most extract, pure form is when encouragement is received from others. I believe there's tremendous power in feeling and getting encouragement poured into your life. And I, here, I want to illustrate it. Would you rather be the, the, the kid in Little League who's walking up to the plate with his bat in his hand, saying over and over himself, I know I can get a hit. I think I can get a hit. I can hit the ball. Trying to tell yourself that over and over. Or would you rather be the kid walking up to the plate, hearing multiple people cheering from you from the stands? I'm going to choose the latter. I, I like to say it this way. You've got to remember, I'm a kid's pastor. Would you rather live out the story of the little engine that could or, oh, the places you will go? I, I'm going to choose Dr. Seuss. Because I know the power of encouragement being poured into my life. And thankfully, the, the men we read about this morning understood that as well. And they took the time and the care to pour into Paul. Even when, let's be honest, it was risky. I, Ananias had a, are you serious moment? When, when God said, hey, go, go lay your hands on Paul. And Barnabas was out in the wind after, with his support of Paul. But here's the, the brass tacks. When we choose to encourage someone else, and pour into them, we're valuing them above ourselves. Paul wrote this in the book of Philippians that we just finished studying, Philippians 2.3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. When we choose to encourage others, we're wholeheartedly embracing kingdom thinking. And by kingdom thinking, I'm talking about putting Jesus and his kingdom above our own desires and wants. That's so crucial. It, it, it matters so much, others above self. Frankly, it grates against our natural instincts. We want to be me first. But there's so much value, so much joy, so much meaning that can be found when we put others first. And we don't just hoard our own existence to ourselves in our own little corner. There's no way to live life. Also, I want to point this out. The multiplied efforts of others around us far outlast what we can do. And I want to, this is an easy illustration. Next door, does anybody know why we set up four classes every week and we pour all kinds of resources into city kids? It's because we fully believe that they are world changers. It's not just something we put on a sign. Like, they can change the world. And we want to help them do it. I believe that even one of those kids could outdo all the things that I've done for Christ. And the multiplied effort of all those kids, well, that's beyond monumental. It's worth the time and effort we put into it. There's a lot of people who, who pour into those kids because we want to help them navigate the trials of life. We want to show them who Jesus really is. And we want to walk with them into a growing relationship because we know that that long-term matters way more than us. The power of encouragement. Thankfully, Paul had this in his life too. You know, Paul's call to suffering started early. Hatred, rejection. 
but God gave him some really rich encouragers along the way. You know, wonderfully, Paul became perhaps the greatest encourager the church would ever know. You know, all throughout the book of Acts and the New Testament, you see Paul encouraging person after person. Paul encouraged some young men named Timothy and Titus to take steps into leadership and take the church to new heights that was even beyond him. Paul encouraged a a young displaced couple from Rome named Priscilla and Aquila. He encouraged them to embrace menial labor. They were tent makers. He encouraged them on who they were in Christ. And thankfully, Priscilla and Aquila caught the encouragement bug, and they became world-class encouragers themselves. If you survey the New Testament, some of the cream of the crop, encouraging verses that we would, as Pastor Chris likes to talk about, embroider on pillows, those mostly, the lion's share came from Paul's pen. It wasn't just the first century that he was encouraging. We still draw encouragement from that today. And, and that's the beauty of encouragement. It doesn't die with that one interaction. There's a ripple effect that can go across continents and generations from encouraging someone. Don't miss out on that investment. It's amazing. But our challenge does continue. We want to ask God to help us encourage others by giving support and hope. This is not just about others. This is about what we're doing. We're giving support and hope. You know, there's many nuances to encouragement, but I really think the easiest way to put it down is support and hope. And I could even say it another way. Encouraging someone is giving them something to believe in and believing in them, right? That's what encouragement is. We certainly have something to believe in. I, you know, contrary to the experience of, of what may be many in this room, which sadly may have been oppressive, The church is a place of tremendous hope, love, and empowerment. That's what we believe here at City Walk, and that's what we want to live out. The gospel of Jesus Christ allows us to live better and above what we can do ourselves. And equipped with this exciting truth, we need to be about telling our neighbors, our coworkers, our children, our families, they can find joy They can find grace. They can find love in Jesus Christ. That's an amazing message. Now, there's two main ways that I see how we can encourage others. And this is going to blow your mind, okay? So so just prepare. Put the duct tape on if you need to, because I don't want to see anybody's head explode. But there's two main ways we give encouragement. It's through our words and through our actions. I know. Wow. All right? So, So I want to... To briefly talk about each one. The first is our words. King Solomon, the wisest guy who ever lived, said this from the book of Proverbs. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Basically, the right word spoken at the right time has tremendous value. So that being said, who, who do we need to encourage this week? Who could really benefit from, from just that encouraging note? Who, who maybe needs to send a text that you say, you know what, I want to encourage you to continue to be a faithful parent and spouse. Who this week really needs to hear about how God is working in your life and the grace he's shown you. But it's also actions. Galatians 6.10, also a verse written by Paul, says this, so then as we have opportunity, 
let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, who in the appropriate setting this week really could benefit from a hug or a a meaningful pat on the back? Who this week could you come alongside and help them with a task that they're, they're just overburdened, even if they didn't ask for the help? Who this week would be overjoyed if you were to just give them a kind gesture, bring them a meal? How can we give encouragement with our words and actions? Let's ask God to show us who we can encourage. I am very confident that God will help us honor that request. But let's finish our challenge. We want to ask God to help us encourage others by giving support and hope with a purpose. This last part is so important to me. You know, um, is anybody familiar with the term arcs, um, acts of random kindness? Uh, the, the, this whole term and idea became really popular when the Evan Almighty movie came out. It's been a while. But, you know, random acts of kindness or acts of random kindness, they're great. I, I think that's a great idea. This morning, though, I want to... I want to focus more on acts of purposeful encouragement. So if we're going to follow the acronyms, we're going to call that an ape, okay? So an arc versus an ape. I, this is kind of really what we're talking about, right? With City Walk, we've encouraged you several times to do pay it forward. You know, pay it forward this week. And when we do that, we're asking you to, hey, go to Starbucks this week and just pay for the person's order behind you in line. Pay for it, leave an invitation for the church, and just encur- try to encourage them. The, the purpose here is key. We're not just asking you to pay for people's coffee. We're trying to use an intentional act of generosity to break someone's barriers they may have or someone's mindset of how they may see the church and Christians. You know, we can, in- we can leave encouraging people to chance, but I... That's not how I want to do it. I want to be purposeful and intentional about how we can do that. As a matter of fact, as a church in two weeks, that's the reason we're having the one event. If you've not signed up for the one event, I want to encourage you to do that. In two weeks, we have an entire Saturday morning set aside to pour encouragement into our bridge builders. And if you're not from around here, a bridge builder is what we call, we call a bridge builder anyone who helps us connect with people here at City Walk. That's the people who set up, set up the curtains and, the, and the, the rooms, people who greet, people who play the instruments, working kids, any of it. We have an entire morning set aside to encourage our people who want to be bridge builders because we want to be purposeful about this. And thankfully, Barnabas was intentional about his encouragement as well. You know, we, we've been focused in Acts chapter 9, but eight years later, in the 11th chapter of Acts, we pick up the story of, of Paul. Paul has gone home to Tarsus, where he grew up, and the Bible really doesn't say much about what's going on. I can imagine he's just kind of floating by, trying to get his life in order, trying to still figure out how this whole Christianity thing is going to work. And during that time frame, Barnabas the same guy who encouraged Paul in Jerusalem is now called to be a pastor at another church in Antioch. It's north of Jerusalem. And I imagine Barnabas gets there in Acts chapter 11 and he looks around and says, you know what? This church needs Paul. We need his passion and we need his drive here. And frankly, 
I think Barnabas looked around and said, Paul needs this church because he needs a place to heal, to grow, and to discover his full calling. So Barnabas actually leaves this young, growing church to go find Paul and bring him back. It's quite literally Barnabas living out what Jesus talked about in the Gospels, him leaving his 99 sheep and going to find one. Barnabas was intentional, and I can only imagine the look on Paul's face when Barnabas walked through the door. I, 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 they didn't have telephones. It wasn't like he called them up and said, hey, be ready. It was just probably a surprise. But man, what a great surprise. And through the encouragement of Barnabas, Paul left everything. He left his livelihood. He left his family and went to a, a church and probably a town maybe he had never been to before in Antioch. And he became a leader there. God would use that relationship between Barnabas and Paul to start churches all over Asia and Europe. Because Barnabas was intentional, on purpose, about encouraging people. So let's go back to our challenge. We're asking God to put specific people in our paths this coming week so that we can encourage them. We want, to, we want to be really purposeful with our encouragement. And by God's grace, we want the Holy Spirit to lead us to exactly tailored encouragement. That'll be just what that person needs. You know, frankly, guys, this task is way above me. I cannot do it. I've been praying this prayer for about two weeks now. And um, I need God to give me wisdom. Because I don't know who to encourage or how. And to be really frank... When I know who and how, I need to be bold enough to actually do it. And I want to encourage you to pray this same prayer with me. See, life is hard, guys. Raising kids is hard. Working for a living is hard. Living for Jesus, trying to follow Jesus, it's hard. Lord knows starting a church is crazy hard. Life is hard, and we all need encouragement. And the challenge this week is to pray this simple prayer. God lead me to at least one specific person and show me how I can encourage them this coming week. I'm going to read it again. God, lead me to at least one specific person and show me how I can encourage them this coming week. You know, it's likely that God has already placed a face or a name inside your mind. And if that's the case, it's time to go. It's time to get involved. Once we have the who and the how, let's do. That's where the rubber meets the proverbial road, right? And I've already alluded to it. If you're like me, every excuse known to man will start to ooze out of the cracks of your mind. Because, I, guys, I am great at rationalizing myself out of doing what God wants me to do. I don't know. Am I the only one who has that problem? I, 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 it's a struggle. But this is way more important than me and my own insecurities. This is about affecting people to help them grow to become who they want to be, who God wants them to be. Now, some of you, unfortunately, have never experienced, you know, any encouragement from anyone connected to church. That may be why you've walked away from faith. And frankly, that's a situation that saddens me deeply. But it's real. So, so here's, here's what I want to offer to you. If you're someone who's still unsure about this whole following Jesus lifestyle or if your past experience in church still has you pretty hurt, I want to offer you an alternative prayer. 
something that, that I think is, is more helpful to where you are in your life. And here's the alternative prayer. God, send at least one person to me and show them how to encourage me this coming week. What, what harm can there be by genuinely asking God for some encouragement? Let's see what God does this week. Let's see how God will use us to encourage each other and build his kingdom. You know, I don't know what, a, what this week holds for anybody. I hope, I hope it's a great week. It could be less than desired. But be it great or the less, one thing I do know, life is really hard and we all need encouragement. And, and this week is a great opportunity for us all to walk with each other into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the last time I'm going to say it because life is hard and we really all need encouragement. So let, let's pray and let's ask God to make City Walk a place teeming with encouragement. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for sharing Paul's backstory with us. Thank you for Ananias, for Barnabas, and for countless others who poured into him. And we ask you to fill this church with those same kind of rich encouragers. Jesus, help us to encourage those kids next door to become the, the great people you want so they can change their world for you. God, send exactly the right encouragers our way and lead us to at least one person this week that we can show encouragement to. In Jesus' name, amen.